0: That's nation 3 for 30% off of your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. It's late and I'm tired. Uh, I had one of those days where we had dance, we had soccer, I had to babysit. my I I was responsible for my youngest child, so I didn't get shit for work done today because I was playing Jenga and dominoes and cars. And uh, we went on a golf cart ride today and we went to the parks and we basically just played all day long and i love playing as much as the next guy does but uh now here it is 10 o'clock at night and i am just getting started uh working for the evening and uh these are the days that really are awesome but shitty at the same time instead of it's the opposite of every cloud has a silver lining it's more of a oh man, it's a sunny day and everything's great, but there's a thunderstorm in the distance type of day. So, but that's just me bitching. I shouldn't bitch because I get to talk about deer hunting all day long. And uh, this episode is no exception, right? We are going to be talking with my good buddy, Bob Polanek. Now, this episode was originally slated to launch on the Hunting Gear podcast. I'm going to launch it there too as a bonus episode, but I needed an episode for the Nine Finger Chronicles and we never really talk about gear on this particular podcast anymore just because, I don't know, uh, I started the Hunting Gear podcast just for that purpose. But I'm going to implement this bs session and that's all it is it's a bs session basically where we talk about gear um and we talk about his elk hunt and uh, we just kind of i think we talk about boots and trail cameras and packs and sleeping bags and a whole bunch of other stuff that he used on his western trip and uh, even i think we even talk a little bit about some whitetail gear too so it's just an all-around BS session with a heavy emphasis on gear Uh, and that's what today's episode is about so I hope you guys enjoy it Um, as for what's going on here in the nine finger world man it's it's October 6th and I haven't even been out hunting yet in Iowa and that is for a couple reasons one my schedule just is slammed right now I am trying to get enough content put out and set aside so that when i leave for my uh uh, south dakota trip that whole week's taken care of and then at the same time daddy daycare and all the stuff that goes into uh, having three kids in a ton of activities so i'm looking forward to maybe sunday night i might be able to get out and uh try to put an arrow through a dough uh, and take her to the processor so i can get some some more summer sausage and some more sticks and some more ground, uh, ground deer meat because we go through those things pretty quick around here. But then, man, it's like trail cameras are still only showing uh, a lot of nocturnal movement, right? And the ones that I've checked and the cell cams that are coming back to me, I mean, I've had a couple daylight images of bucks over the past, I want to say, three weeks, but they've all been two and three year old age range that I'm just really not, I guess I'm I'm just not excited about. So I'm, I'm biding my time until my gut tells me I need to be in the woods. I do really want to hunt. I want to get out there, but I know that, um, if I, if I get everything situated at home and with work, then I can go and really enjoy all my time that's spent in the woods and the older I get that's just closer and closer to November so um, plus I want to make sure I'm ready to go for uh, the South Dakota mule deer hunt as well so that's kind of what's going on in uh, this neck of the woods I want to say one thing as you guys start to get out and you start to uh, have your successful hunts, I don't care if it's a spike buck, I don't care if it's a doe, or a giant whitetail, or a moose, or an elk, whatever you're hunting, a squirrel, tag the Nine Finger Chronicles in your stories, and I will share that on the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, page as well, so um, I I love just hearing people be outside, man, I just love that stuff, so all right, before we get into today's episode with Bob, we're gonna do a really quick rundown uh, with some gear here and uh, what are we gonna do first? Ozonics. Um, y- you guys know that I'm a huge advocate of using O3 ozone to do a, a number of th- things in the uh, in my cycle of how I hunt, right? I'm gonna tell you right now I, I use it two ways. One, in the tree and just blow that sucker out all all the ozone comes out of the unit and it goes downwind and when it goes downwind it distorts your scent profile so it's putting out ozone, that ozone starts distorting your scent cone and the deer walk through it they notice it but then they just are like they're confused by it that is the overall response that I get and it's not uh, a nose full of human and when it's uh, not a nose full of human they don't get scared they don't get freaked out they get sometimes they they're indifferent and they maybe just continue walking sometimes they even get a little curious and they come a little closer um but for the most part i have very very rarely had an encounter downwind with whitetails with an ozonics that hasn't been positive I mean, they just are not snorting, and they're not blowing, and they're not going absolutely crazy, uh, and they're not ruining the rest of the hunt for you. And that's important to people who only have a very small amount of time throughout the season to hunt, right? Five days, two days, whatever, however many days it is. Every hunt's very important, and uh, that's why I like using Ozonics in in the woods. Now, outside of the woods, that um, uh, that is. I think it has almost a bigger functionality if you ask me outside of the woods in their closets and in their dry wash bags where you can hang your dirty stinky uh, clothes you don't have to set them through the washer you don't have to walk you don't have to dry them which that whole process takes a long time or you could just run a 30 minute dry wash cycle cleanse your your garments from odor and the next thing you know boom clean so um I don't know go check out their website wasonixhunting.com, and i do got a discount code here for you the discount code is nfc21 nfc21 and that gets you a free dry wash bag with your purchase of one of their units uh next lone wolf tree stands you guys are you guys already know about how i use lone wolves mm-hmm. the assault four sticks can get me anywhere I need to go if I'm not using the fourth stick maybe I'm only three sticks high and I got great cover and I'm hunting just a little bit lower I just leave that stick right at the bottom of the tree or if I really need to stretch it maybe I'm on a big incline and I'm going to try to hunt the top with the thermals blowing over top of me uh, then I can really stretch out the four to get me the height that I need very very quiet setup very lock tight when you're actually in the tree uh the the stand doesn't creak and and croak and make a whole bunch of noise and uh the fact that it can set up in a crooked tree it levels itself and then you're not in the like you're not in in a straight tree you're in the right tree Uh, the tree that's going to get you closest to your ultimate goal and that's killing a whitetail Uh, so head on over to lone wolf uh the lone wolf website and enter the discount code 9FC21 and you can save 20 no wait you can save $50 off of all purchases over 200 bucks so you buy a tree stand you're saving 50 bucks with that discount code 9FC21 exodusoutdoorgear.com that's the exodus uh, trail cameras and uh, I'm telling you right now uh, we talk about uh, exodus in this um in this episode listen closely because um I love these trail cameras. I love the company. I love the guys that work there, and uh, they they care about their end users, which is why their cameras are so easy to operate. Not only um, on the the basic side of things like their Lift and their uh, Trek, but even on a more complicated product like their Render, all you have to do, they're set up to become active for a render. Is literally scan it, and it it's set up through Scout Tech. Go learn uh, on how to do that. ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Awesome cameras. Check them out. Uh, you'll be very happy that you did. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, Excalibur Crossbows, man. Um, ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Uh, again, uh, a company that is not is in the conversation when it comes to the industry, right? They've, they've been selling crossbows for 30 years. Um, so they, they have a name behind, um, how do I put this? They, they have a reputable name in the hunting industry with their crossbows. You don't have a company for 30 years that's as successful as Excalibur is without providing high quality pieces of equipment right and they do that not only in the design but in the materials they use to build their crossbows these things can take an ass beating and they still function at a very high level Um, so if you are considering picking up a crossbow head on over to Excalibur's uh, website take a look at their new crossbow the twin strike and all the other options that they have available, so ExcaliburCrossbow.com. That's the commercial block. Thank you very much for being patient. Now let's get into today's episode where me and Bob Polanek just BS for about an hour. Enjoy. Three, two, one. It has been a very long time, and uh, just looking at Skype here, it says it's been five months, and I feel... I feel horrible that it's been five months since uh, I talked with you and had you on the pod, uh, on the, I almost said the Bob but <laughs> the podcast, yes. but Mr. Bob Polanik, man, how the hell are you?
1: I'm good, man. I just was wondering if we're still friends or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
0: using you for your knowledge.
1: Yeah, or lack thereof. I figure that's why I got kicked off, because I uh, just haven't bought new gear or anything like that lately. So
0: No, I don't know why, honestly. Uh, shitty schedules, um, the fact that uh, life is crazy, now it's hunting season, and uh, we're already bouncing around the countryside like maniacs. And uh, uh, before we get into today's episode uh, about, you know, we're going to BS about hunting gear and equipment a little bit, You, you recently just went on an elk hunt. Talk about that.
1: I did. I went out West for about two and a half weeks, uh, drove out there. I drove to Idaho, hunted a new unit in Idaho this year. Um, which was a cool challenge, but not exactly what I was looking forward to considering I had about three years of experience in the same, uh, in the same unit prior to prior to this year, but, uh, Idaho kind of realigned, uh, their tag availability per unit for non-residents and uh so the unit that i wanted got sold out like day one and yeah. uh had to had to find a new unit and uh, i know a couple guys out there that were able to point me in the in the good direction so um that was kind of that september 10th to the 18th time frame i was there and uh it went well we uh there was a little bit of hunting pressure and uh it was it was on the warm side, but, uh, we got into plenty of elk. Um, uh, I had a, I called in a bowl for uh, a buddy and he, uh, he took a 52 yard shot and his arrow hit a branch and deflected. Um, so that was a, and he missed so clean miss. Uh, so that was a bummer. Um, and then, yeah, I think the next morning I called in a bowl to myself and he hung up at 60 yards. He was basically, <clears throat> we were on one Ridge, and then he was on uh, a ridge on the opposite side of the drainage, and we started talking to him in the morning. And he came in fired up, and this was like September 12th, maybe. And uh, he started coming down the ridge, so we went down our ridge, and I mean, we were we were running down the side of this mountain, tripping, falling. I fell twice, I think, but we were every time we'd call cow call at him. I was, I was basically flying down the a mountainside and uh I was just letting out cow calls as I was going at him and he was bugling every time and I could just hear him getting closer and closer and closer. And uh we met at the bottom of the drainage but there was a big crick that flowed through it. And there's some pretty big boulders on each side of it that line the crick bottom. And he just would come across that crick and uh by the time he got down there I couldn't get closer to the, the I don't know, sixty yards. But we watched him paced back and forth for probably five minutes just bugling chuckling bugling chuckling and uh after a while he i mean he couldn't you know he's there's supposed to be a cow that he could see somewhere and there yeah. wasn't so he kind of finally just boogied off but we had some other good encounters i took a uh, was he
0: with cows at the, that time
1: i could hear him i could hear his cows mewing behind him but um so yeah, and it's it seemed like they were kind of just herding up at that point too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but those those two days back to back. Those are super cool encounters. Um, and then yeah, we uh, we got on a we got on a herd of cows. I don't know a couple days later, and I took a 74 yard shot at a cow, and it uh, went sailed it right over her back, but. Yeah, that's how it uh, that's how it goes, man. And then from there, well, go ahead. You got any questions? No,
0: I was just saying. It it sounds to me like you were in them. Uh, I mean, were were there days where it was dry and you weren't hearing any bugles or you weren't seeing any elk, or were you kind of in the elk all the time? We
1: were, we were in them, but we were where what we had to go through to get to them was obviously like a, a little bit more than what like the average guy was. We weren't doing anything crazy. It's not like we were hiking. 10 miles back in the dark or whatever. Yeah. But we we had a solid mile hike down all, an old logging road in the morning that we would, you know, we'd start off an hour before it got light out. We'd get the end of that. And then we had a straight like thousand foot climb up a pretty steep mountain um, right after that, just to get back into like the backside of this dark timber area. And yeah. once we got back in there, we could just tell that the elk were a lot more responsive and, and less pressured. So
0: yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Like when I was in Colorado, I was higher in altitude, but I wouldn't say that the terrain was near as steep as I was in Idaho. Like I, Idaho was just way more gnarly than it was. However, in Colorado, there was way more uh, deadfall that we had to deal with. What was the like the terrain? What was the steepness of elevation that you were dealing with?
1: Oh gosh, I don't. I guess I don't know how to exactly to describe it. Besides that, it really, really sucked. (laughs) Uh, Enough said, right? There was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff that was straight up and down. It wasn't. It was very spiny. Just like it, it it was pretty rugged terrain for sure. Uh, It was the steepest country that I've ever elk hunted in. Yeah. So it was. It was a butt kicker. Yeah. But hey, that's what. It's what you train for, and, and we were we were all right. Um, coming down, I think coming down that thousand feet at night, that, you know, when your legs are tired, I think that sucks more than going up it. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. So just all that, just jamming your knees and your toes into the front of your boots, and that's what really hurts the most, I think. Yeah. What's up? That's
0: what got me like don't get me wrong my ass cheeks burning uh in like hardly any air as you're climbing up a mountainside that really sucks however when you're coming down and your legs like you said are tired and i got shitty knees anyway oh my lord man it's just like then the next morning like for me my knees are just inflamed already and you just got to go do it again
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so um yeah, we came out of one. We came out. We we ch- that bull that we chased down into that bottom um, that I just was telling you that was bugling. We ended up going up the ridge that he was on after him and tried to make a play on him in the afternoon. Never did get back on him, but we thought we we thought we could get out of that area by kind of walking the ridge out, and it put us into a nasty bottom. And it was it was the worst experience. Getting out of that was the worst experience of my entire life. We were side hilling. We were, the deadfall was so thick and stacked so high that parts of it, we were going underneath it. And if you weren't going underneath it, you were literally, like, crawling over top of it. And there'd be times that the deadfall was stacked so high, you'd be on top of it, and it'd be 10, 12 feet down to the ground. Yeah. So, it was, it was, that was, it was brutal. Yeah. So.
0: Man, uh, I don't know. Like. I wish I had the ability to scout elk and mule deer like I can whitetails, right? So like here it is October 1st when we're recording this and I have no, like, I'm not worried. I feel like I have a, a good enough knowledge base throughout my, all of my years of hunting experience that I'm going to be able to go and put myself on a good whitetail this upcoming season, right? I'm not, I'm not stressed about it. But when I get out West, yep. you shrink that time frame down. You don't have the ability to scout your, your everything happens on the fly out there. And uh, whether I'm in South Dakota or I'm in Colorado, you know, obviously there's two different terrains right there, land flows there, but it just, then I'm just like, okay, I got X number of days to get it done and I have to learn on the fly and I have to tr- locate these animals on the fly and uh, you know, that's why statistically, uh, the those animals are are harder to kill than whitetails.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Especially I mean, for like non-residents. You said, you, 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 yeah, you nail that. For a non-resident, we get a week a year, maybe two. I mean, if you're lucky, you get more than that. I don't. Um, but uh, to learn it, and then to yeah, I mean, even like going to a new a new area, new terrain. I mean. Some of that's that's the thing that where experience in an area starts to really help you because you know, you know, the black holes to avoid and stuff like that. So, right. um, But yeah, anyway, from, from there I went to Montana and I hunted Montana for a week in an area that I've been hunting for, oh, five or six years and hunted with a good buddy of mine that lives out there. And uh, that hunt was all right. It snowed. See, so we hunted that from like a Saturday to a Friday, and on uh, Sunday, the second day we were there, it snowed like two, three inches, and we were we were camp. That's a hunt that we do that we camp in. We don't we don't really day hunt it. We uh, hike uh, tent and food and all that stuff in for four, five, six days. So yeah. Um. So that was a little brutal way to start it, and the uh, morning after it snowed, I mean bulls were firing left and right and then about an hour after it got light out they just shut right up so you had it, you had to pretty much be area. on them
0: right you had to pretty yeah. much be on them yep. to find them yeah
1: yeah and that, yeah sometimes like we'd get so close to them you know it's dark timber sometimes we'd get so close to them that they'd bugle all of a sudden randomly at 80 yards and come flying in on us kind of like a hey what are you you know type of type of deal from the bull and uh yeah. So we had some good encounters. Um, no, sh- no shot opportunities. So it just, it was a, it was a tough year in Montana and, uh, it was kind of a bummer cause Montana's typically, uh, a lot more encounters. Um, uh, less, it's usually less people this year. There was, we ran into three different hunting groups that it was all their first time on that range. So yeah. that. Used to kind of be able to go there in the parking lot would only have two or three vehicles and this year it had like 10 the whole time. Did
0: you walk up, up to those people? Did you walk up to those people and say, "Uh, we've been here longer, you need to leave?" No. <laughs> no. No,
1: no. No, no, no. We're cool with it. We try to take the approach that hey, it's at least right. everyone's out enjoying the resource. So
0: Right. Right. But. Well, um elk hunting right it, it just it's gonna make yep. that time when you arrow that bull uh next year or the year after or whatever uh that much more sweet right
1: yeah that's kind of how i view it too man it's yeah. like uh, as a non-resident only getting out there a week or two a year uh it's a it's kind of a long play you're not going to fill your tag every year least, right again i'm not if if you if there's guys that are going out west one week a year hunting public land and every single year consistently Filling a tag on a nice bowl just mad respect. Absolutely, because because that's
0: something you're special.
1: Just, you're just better. You're you yeah. You're something special. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's let's pivot into the gear side of things, right? Um, every time we get together, we talk about you know like my gear is doing its job if I'm not thinking about it, and. You know, like if I'm thinking about my gear, it's uncomfortable or my boot hurts, my boot hurts, my boots, my boots hurt, or, um, you know, my packs ride me or something or my water filtration system broke or whatever, uh, then it, then it's a bad thing. So did you have any pieces of gear, uh, while you were on this trip that, uh, like gave you any type of trouble?
1: Yeah. I, uh, my I've got I wear crispy boots yeah um, still a big fan of them but I was I'm on year four with uh, my crispy I think they are the summits and uh, basically I've worn the tread off the bottom of them and I was like slipping on grass and stuff like that okay like, like I was slipping on grass like on a, on a hill so I got a mountainside yeah so, like it was a grassy mountainside and it was wet in the morning if I stepped on it I would just my boot would just slip and I couldn't figure out what was going on and finally I was sitting there in the afternoon. Kicked my boots off and I looked at the bottom of them like, oh, there's no tread left. That's probably what's going on. Yeah. But I had a back, I had a backup pair with me, and uh, they were the, the crispy Wyoming's, and uh, I was pretty happy with those. Yeah. Um,
0: I'll tell you this to piggyback off what you just said. I got a pair of crispy Thors, and this is I'm going into year number four with them as well and they're comfortable as shit right now right they're broken in they fit my foot excellent um but after four years of beating the shit out of them is i feel like now they are starting to reach the you know it's i'm gonna i'm gonna go through the rest of this year with them okay but I'm not going to do another year with them because I don't want there to be a, oh shit, look what just happened to my boot. I'm in the middle of nowhere situation and now I'm, now I'm screwed. And I mean, I, last year I cleaned my boots up really good. I sprayed silicone all over them or that, uh, the, the waterproofing, right. And that did an excellent job this year. I did the same thing and I, I got them wet. For a day when I was in uh, when I was in Nebraska this year, and they did not that waterproofing did not hold, so the waterproofing's gone out of them. Right? Even even me reapplying it isn't it didn't do the job. So I know that if I'm going to run into any wet conditions, I got to bring a different pair of boots along with me. Yeah. So um so now when I go to South Dakota in two weeks three weeks, I'm going to be I'm going to be bringing a backup pair for wet for a wet occasions, and they're not near they're not as comfortable. Uh, they're my uh, Danner Pronghorns, and they're not near as comfortable of a fit as my. They're they're a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier compared to like I feel like Crispies are a pair of Jordans, uh, like a basketball shoe, like light but durable compared to some of these other brands of hiking boots that have. A, they're like they're more of a truck than a sports car if that makes sense
1: yeah <clears throat> yeah i feel like Crispies are a little bit on the it's like a, it's, it's almost like a softer boot yeah but it's just got more flex to it and yeah it's yeah. just it provides you with a little bit more all-day comfort I yeah i think
0: yeah so, so it, like next year honestly probably at the end of this year and i might even yet buy another pair of Crispies before i buy my uh uh, before the I get into my whitetail rut, that way I can use the whitetail rut to break them in, if that makes sense. Because yeah, I'm going to be walking, but I'm not going to be hiking like I am in some of these other uh, scenarios.
1: Yeah, for sure. So for
0: sure. the boots, huh? Anything else?
1: Oh uh, no, I'm still I'm still running a lot of the same stuff I've been running for probably the last two years, really. Mystery Ranch backpack. That that. Uh, that does great. Um, that's kind of—I don't know—that those backpacks really have a break-in period, but uh, yeah. I don't know. It just wears nice. Um, all my Sika gear, you know, whether it be—you know—I was wearing anything from the Apex pant to the Mountain pant to the Timberline pant, depending on weather. Um, those all function great. Same with that Mountain pant is badass, man. You know, I do like the Mountain pant. I like the Apex pant when it's warm, man. Yeah, it's like. Those are those are nice and lightweight.
0: Yeah would you choose um, Would you choose one over the other? The, if you only had as as, if I if I said you're only putting one in your pack, it's going to be the Apex or it's going to be the or the you mean the Apex or the Ascent, right? We're talking about the Ascent pant.
1: No, I got Apex is kind of a lightweight pant. Um, I think it's just a touch heavier than uh, probably that Ascent pant. And okay. then you got the Mountain pant, which is like midweight. And then you got the Timberline pant, which is essentially the Mountain pant with waterproof knees and um, ass.
0: Okay, uh, out right? of those yep. out of those three, if you only had to pick one for both hunting scenarios, you know, if you're hunting from the truck or if you're hunting from, uh uh, a camp a base camp but you only had to pick one of those pairs of pants which one are you picking
1: i go mountain pant they're just a little bit they're a little bit thicker they're a little bit tougher um than that apex they're still you know even if it gets in the 70s they're still they're not too hot um, and they got that um, the windproofing was, in
0: them too right
1: i don't think so you don't I think, don't think so okay they do. all right nope the uh, the Timberlines, they're good and they have that waterproof uh, knees and butt on them, but that creates a it creates like a swishing effect or a swishing sound when you when you're walking. So uh, it's not as they're not as quiet. So yeah. and then they are a bit warmer. But no, I think if I just had the Mountain Pant from the beginning of September to the end of September for elk hunting, it'd be totally fine.
0: Yeah, what about the tops? I mean, did you match it with the uh, the mountain jacket?
1: Uh, no. I was rocking a lightweight Moreno top, and then I would throw the Apex hoodie over that, yeah. and then uh, a Jetstream vest, and then the Kelvin Active jacket, and uh, that's really about it. I wore uh, I wore the Jetstream like full jacket with the hood, like the one day that it snowed, uh, or like the, the especially the uh, more than that, I wore it the following mornings when, like, all the snow was melting off the trees. Yeah. Just because that does have a little bit more of, like, a it's got that uh, DWR coating. It's a little bit more water repellent, stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's just giant chunks of snow falling off all the pine trees and stuff like that. But that's pretty much, pretty much you'll find me uh, mountain pant and Apex hoodie with Jetstream vest on. That's yeah. typically my go-to.
0: I tell you what, if anybody in Michigan is listening to this right now, somewhere – I'm gonna say uh, not up not by you but in some public land somewhere in Michigan is an apex hoodie with <laughs> <laughs> with my hunting Michigan hunting license and tags in it that uh, I lost along a hike in uh, it was either in or out in the dark and uh, I I looked back and I can't find it so it's somewhere in Michigan in a this dirty ass hole of all this grown up vegetation that I was stomping through, where I ended up losing it. So if you find it, uh, you can have it, but uh, just take a picture of it and send it to me because I loved that garment.
1: Oh yeah, that's Apex hoodie is my favorite uh, favorite piece for for out hunting for sure. Yes yeah.
0: yeah, sir. So. Uh, but other than that, like uh, when you did your your tent type style hunt um your tent your sleeping pad your sleeping bag water filtration all that stuff work for you
1: yes sir yeah so tents and sleeping bags i've always used kelty uh it's just i don't know they're cheap um they're cheaper you know yeah uh but yeah i used uh i used a zero degree down sleeping bag and a couple of our nights got down in the in the low 20s and with i had to i had to throw some moreno bottoms and keep my moreno top on and even throw my kelvin active jacket on to stay warm but i kind of uh, expected that but i was on a i think it's like a big agnes sleeping pad it's inflatable yeah and then uh yeah kelty tent as well that was uh that worked out well i, I forget exactly which one it's a, it's a three person even though it's just two of us but uh that held up real nice um water filtration i still use the uh like the Sawyer squeeze, yeah. Um, I still like that. Um, and then you add yeah, Jetboil. Oh, I did switch up uh, some of my meals. I went to Peak Refuel. Kind of got away from the uh, uh, Mountain House meals and the yeah. Peak Refuel ones, like especially the the Chad Mendes ones. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're uh, they're super tasty. Some of the non Chad Mendes ones, I noticed um, they still have like your there's still like 900 or 1000 calories but the actual the actual volume of food is less so you don't you don't get that like big like full belly yeah feel that's important if you eat them but you're i I would have to say so i was like oh i know i got my calories but i still I still feel hungry.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's one thing. I, I don't know about you, but after big all-day hunts, right, and you're just munching and you haven't filled your stomach yet, and then you go back and you're trying to, like, I hate when I'm halfway through a meal and I'm I am full, but you know you need to eat those calories because you're going to need them the next morning uh, when you're Fair. going. And that sucks eating on a full stomach when you hit that point. And I agree that um, – everything you just said the the only downside is is those those uh peak refuels are just you know they're obviously more expensive and then the chad mendez version of those uh peak refuel uh meals are even more expensive yet just because of i'm sure his uh his association with them you know what i mean so right uh, right so yeah there's that but I will say this, they are extremely delicious. I love, uh, I think there's only a couple like the chili mac or the macaroni mac or whatever that one is. I'm not a fan of that one, but the um, sweet pork and rice, that's my favorite. And then the parmesan or the the, uh, parmesan chicken, I think it's. It's called some of the other ones, like a like a white sauce and pasta, or some some good ones. That yeah, there's a, there's, like elk a, ragu. there's like a
1: a penny pasta. Yeah, the yeah. elk ragu. There was a bison masher yep. that was super good. That was yep. like <laughs> that was like Thanksgiving dinner, man. Yeah, that was delicious.
0: Yeah, very so, good, very good. Yeah. So let's see here, um, food. Binos hold up okay. I mean, I you know you you described walking through all this this nastiness going up and down falling down a couple times no no like rips in your pants no uh damage to any of like your bow or anything like that
1: no no um no damage to my bow i was pretty surprised by that because it was up uh, you know after about going through that stuff for an hour and a half you kind of just you don't even care what you're damaging anymore you just want to yeah. be out of it oh hell yeah um Yep, yeah, so I did I did I mean we did just we did a morning hunt that next day when then we we when it got out of there in the afternoon we both agreed that we needed to shoot our bows and make sure they're still on. And they were. Everything was good. Yep. Um yeah, no tears or anything like that. Um just a, a tear to my soul and who I am. Part yeah. of me was left down in that drainage. <laughs> but uh, Hey, hey,
0: hey, and that's without packing an elk out of there. Right. Just imagine if you had the meat on your back.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. No. No way. We. We. Yeah. We realized that we would have had to next time. The way we go into that drainage is the same way we come out. We don't try to shortcut it. That's what it was. Try to take shortcut.
0: Gotcha. All right. Let's pivot to white. Let's pivot to whitetail gear here, um, because I want to make sure we talk about this. Now, this is this is full disclosure. Okay. I am. On the Nine Finger Chronicles side of things, I am supported. I am sponsored by Exodus Trail Cameras. Okay, but I think I think this is a full disclosure conversation because you know I just I I feel it is uh, to the to the end user to the um, that just because I'm saying something doesn't mean that's how it is. Right? I've had nothing but good uh, nothing but good experiences with, uh, Exodus and the people who work there. Um, everything I've ever had from them. I still have uh, cameras out in the woods right now that are working from their first pull. Right. And this is before I even started working with them. I've worked with them a little bit. We've like, I've stopped working with them and now I'm working with them again. Right. That's just kind of how the business side of it goes. And I've had honestly nothing but good experiences with those. I talked to you about this a while ago, and you're just like, man, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with these Exodus cameras, man. So, kind of walk us through what all what was happening with uh, your trail cameras and why you were frustrated with them.
1: Well, so yes, I have uh, I've got six Exodus renders. That's the cellular. That's the cellular camera uh, that the Exodus provides. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all died within like. Four weeks and it was complete operator error Oh, uh, okay there's an odd yeah there's an on-demand feature and uh i had that turned on on them and basically what that will do is that is that's essentially uh about the same as if you took your cell phone attached it to a tree and it was just left on connected to the internet
0: I got gotcha. you. It's the same
1: thing when that on, when that on demand feature is on, your your camera is just on. It, it still might only send pictures once a day or whatever your settings are, but it, it does provide you with the option that if you want to log in and have you know take a picture instantly, it will do it. Um, so yeah, that's that's essentially what the problem was. Um, I I called or I, I think I got a hold of Exodus uh, via Instagram. And they, they got a hold of me like within a few minutes and uh, had the whole problem solved within a couple minutes of looking at my account and all the like how my cameras were set up and stuff like that. Um, beyond that, I will say this. I had uh, Exodus camera that I lost last year. I thought I had lost it. It fell out of my truck in Iowa in January when I was there um, the season closes January 10th That buddy and I went there for the last couple of days fell out in the mud in a, on a cattle farm. I don't know if cattle stepped on it, but the landowner called me in March and was like, I think I found one of your cameras in the mud. And he said it was like he could barely see it because it was just buried in the mud. I picked it up from him, cleaned it all up, put batteries in it, and it worked flawlessly. Now, that same camera I had on the stick and pick and a hawk landed on it and beat it all to hell. (laughs) And... It died, and uh, when I went and found it, I knew something happened because it was on a stick and pick. And then there was a picture of a of a hawk, like up close and personal. And then it just took, and then it was pointed straight down at the ground. And all it did was take pictures of poison ivy, which was just like I like that doesn't get me enough anyway. <laughs> and I got to now I got a cell cam taking photos of it. Uh, anyway, that camera died, and when I went and checked it uh, on my way out, out Cunning, it was in Nebraska. I, I, I stopped by and grabbed it. Um, the antenna was all broken. You could see claw marks on the screen and stuff like that. And there was a bunch of moisture in the camera, so I de- deactivated it. And I got a hold of Exodus, and uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna repair it for, or they're gonna send me a new one for fifty percent off, which is their warranty. You yeah, know, for five years. Yeah, that's badass. So, that's a that's, so that's a badass
0: warranty, by the way.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. For, yeah. Sure. for sure. I mean, if it gets, even if it gets stolen, you can get yeah. a new one for 50% off and that's huge.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so kind of, you kind of took care of that then, right? I mean that, that whole situation you're not, you're not pissed anymore. Pardon me? You're, you're not pissed anymore at that whole situation. No. no. Yeah.
1: No, it's my fault. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to say something though Um. in in your defense nobody reads trail camera instruction books, man. Like you, I have had them in the past where, you know, there's the instruction book. It tells you what you need to do. I, I don't think it's near as bad as the trail cameras that they have out today compared to the trail cameras that they've had out five to 10 years ago. Okay. Um, where there was steps that you needed to go through. I mean, do you remember when the first SD cards, uh, SD card cameras came out? You actually had to take that SD card to a computer and format it on a computer a certain way before you put it into yeah. the trail camera.
1: Yeah, I do recall that. Yeah. I do. So
0: um, yeah. imagine me going out, setting out, and I think they were mole trees. I can't. I can't remember if I had Moultries trees or coverts. Uh, all those years ago that had this issue. And I called up and I'm just like, listen, man, these, these, I have five trail cameras. They're not putting out any type of, you know, they're not taking any pictures. What's the deal? Did you format the SD card uh, in the instruction book? No, I put the SD card in and I turned it on and walked away. Like, (laughs) well, you have to do that. I'm just like, Jesus, man, like, can't anything be easy anymore? Like, so I... I said that 10 years ago, you know, five to 10 years ago. And now I think the trail camera manufacturers are starting to get the hint. Like this has to be stupid proof. Their, their, their cameras have to be stupid proof because a, no one reads the instructions and B you should, in my opinion, you should be able to put an SD card in the trail camera, format it, turn it on and walk away. That is what yeah. I want in a trail camera anyway. So, um, so, uh, like I said, I, I think a lot more trail cameras are going down that path. With that said, um, do you have any any of their their renders that are currently sending you information?
1: Uh, that are yes, yeah. Yes. I've got five. I still got five in Nebraska. That uh, they're all up and running.
0: And they're. Do you have the the solar panel with them, or do you just have the? Uh, I've
1: got a few. Field. I've got a few with the solar panel.
0: Yep. Okay. What's it looking like yep. out there in Nebraska this year? You, you getting excited, or is it just average?
1: Uh, I'm waiting. I'm being patient. There's yeah. uh, there's one there's one three-and-a-half-year-old buck that showed up here just about a week ago. He's nothing special. Probably uh, a 120, 125-inch uh, eight-point with a little kicker coming off his brow tine. Um, but that property does not really get um that's a rut property man yeah it's so thick it's so dense uh I, I personally think that it's so thick and gnarly that uh velvet bucks don't really care to hang out in there um they just don't want to bump their rack on on uh everything i mean it's until some foliage comes down until they really start using it um and and, de- and like the crops come out all around there they don't really fill up in that timber and kind of get the trails opened up until right about now. So every year about mid October, all of a sudden just more and more random mature bucks start showing up and then they're kind of all there all the way through, um, till end of November. So it, uh, once in a while, I'll get some big ones in velvet there, but, uh, it's just the last few years. It seems more and more of that. If you just, just patiently wait, um, They'll they'll be there, and uh, I don't ever go hunt there till end of October, or November anyway. So gotcha, so, yeah.
0: gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. All right. Any other whitetail type products that you've uh, ordered this year or you got in the mail? I think there was one one other one that you you may have mentioned that your that I you...
1: can. Uh, I know that you're sponsored by Exodus, but I can speak on three other cell camera brands. Yeah, um, I don't
0: care. Go for it.
1: What we'll Yeah, one of them – so Moultrie Deltas, that's a cell cam. Don't – nobody, don't buy it. Dude, don't. Just don't do it to yourself. Is it garbage? The app, it is garbage. All the pictures are either like – if it's at night, all the pictures are like black unless the deer is like right in front of the camera.
0: Yeah. How Um, much does that camera cost, by the way?
1: Probably like 120 bucks. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, it's not worth it, in my opinion. Um, the app kind of sucks too. That is one thing that's really nice about the Exodus app. It's through like Scout Tech. S- Scout Tech. And that app. Scout, Scout Tech. Scout Tech. Yeah. Is that what it is? I think it's Scout, Scout, Scout Tech, Tech. Yeah. Tech, yeah. that. Yep, yeah, that app's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this the functionality of a render versus any camera that I've found is, uh, it's second to none. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Moultrie Delta, I would just steer clear, save your money. There is a, a Bushnell celluc- Um, I think that's around that $100 price point. It's a, It seems like it's doing all right. Um, I just put those out about three weeks ago. They take decent photos. Um, very limited on functionality, though. Um, yeah, there's no, like, I don't think there's a trigger delay that you can set up on them. So it just, I think it just takes photos. I don't know if you can do multi-shot even, and then you can't. You can have it send photos like immediately, or once a day, or once a week. You can't do you can't do twice a day or four times a day or anything like that. So it's very it's a little bit more limited, um, but other than that, it seems to be all right for the money. And then uh, the Reveal X, I think that brand kind of speaks for itself. Um, that's a good camera. Um, my only complaint is that they're just simply never in stock. You just can't yeah. ever get your hands on them. So And what brand's that? Um, it's t- it's made by Tacticam.
0: Tacticam, yeah. I've heard decent things yep. about that for its price point. I, I you know Yeah, it's
1: like a 115 to 130 bucks, but man, they're they're just they're sold out immediately.
0: Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, so they yep. mu- they obviously must work. Right. If uh, if there's a, a brand that you hear bad things about and they're still in stock and that goes for any piece of hunting equipment right now or or just about anything related to a hobby or a sport. I mean, shit. My my son, we were looking for shin guards for him for soccer. Couldn't find him anywhere. Right. Sold out. Uh, there were certain brands that were there, but then you go to read the reviews. Oh, the the sock comes apart or something like that and and then if it has a bad review associated with it it's in stock but you don't want to buy that right i mean everything from mouth guards to cleats to uh anything that has to do with a hobby or sporting activity if if it's good it's sold out and uh, that goes with a lot of the manufacturers in the hunting industry right now so i believe it yeah so there's that. All right. So some good, some bad with the trail cameras. There. Uh, anything else in the whitetail world?
1: Oh, gear wise, yeah. Man, I'm trying to th- trying to think if there's anything gear wise that I've got. I got a new rangefinder, loophole. It's a loophole RX four. Um, yeah. It's pretty nice. I mean. You can enter in your, like, your arrow weight and speed, and then it will let you know. Like, if you're ranging something at 40 yards, but there's, like, overhanging brush or whatever, it will let you know that, like, your arrow, the arc of your arrow is either clear or not clear. Yeah. Um, so that's super nice. Um, oh, dude. This is super, super simple and super cheap, and I highly recommend it to everybody that um, – kinda elk hunts, but and I know we're talking about whitetails, but marsupial gear, they sell vinyl harnesses. And they have these two little clips that attach to any sort of strap. And they're just clips for your bowstring. And you literally it just makes it so you can just quick throw your bowstring on it and uh you can let go of your bow. You can be hands-free. You don't have to set your bow down. You don't have to try to Balance your, and that goes on your, your bino ham, harness on the toe of your boot. Pardon me.
0: That goes on your bino harness.
1: It can go on your bino harness. It can go on the like the waist belt of your uh, your backpack. That's I'll, not uh, a bad idea, I my, dude. I'll, I had my wife take a photo of me with it. I look like a moron, but I'll send it to you. Yeah, um, sounds like
0: great functionality yeah. because everything that you said. I mean, if you, there's a deer or an elk or anything moving fast across the landscape and you got to quickly get your binos on it, the first thing I have to do is set my bow down or lean it up against me and then go, you know, then get them out of my bino case and then put them up, right? So if you could just quick hang go, that seems like a, a one, one or two second save.
1: Oh yeah, man! Everyone that I elk hunted with this year was like, "Why didn't you tell me about that?" And I was yeah. like, "Man, I can't give out, I can't <laughs> all, give my out all my secrets. I, I
0: need that one yeah. second advantage ahead of you, so I kill the bull and not you."
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So exactly. cool, man. Well, um, what 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 are you excited about for this upcoming season? I mean, um, any other any other gear type things that you're that you're excited to use again or cause let me, did you get a new bow since the last time that we talked or is it the same bow from last year?
1: I got a new bow last year. It was the Matthews VXR. I'm still, uh, still very happy with it. Um, yeah. that's just, yeah, I do. It's, uh, I don't know. It's solid. Yeah. I, um, I was able to rock the, so the nice thing about that VXR is you can just, you can switch the the peak draw weight by simply just switching out the mods on it. Yeah. Um, And so I've got 75 pound mods and 70 pound mods. So for elk hunting, I use 75 pound mods and for whitetails, I use 70 and uh, you don't need a bow press or anything like that. Like each one's just two little screws Um, and yeah, just kind of either your pins get a little closer together or you got to move them a little further apart, but it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that. It's so, quiet, yeah. accurate. So, yeah.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to share a quick story here, uh, about my, my recent bow, uh, I guess experience. So I, I think I talked to you about this on a previous episode, but I, Spent all off season shooting a variety of different bows. I shot Matthews. I shot, shot Prime. I shot Hoyt. I shot uh, um, Elite. I shot uh, Bowtech. I shot what was some of the other? Uh, what are some of the other uh, big name bows that I shot? Uh, did
1: you say? Did you say Hoyt yeah. Obsession?
0: Uh, I did shoot an Obsession. Um, Prime. And oh, a PSE, some uh, a okay. PSE bow. All right, so in and, and I don't know, man. <laughs> like uh, I used to talk some mad shit. I'll be honest. Uh, uh, on on Matthews, like I just didn't like their their bow, right? Uh, however, this year of all the bows that I shot, um, I will I will rank them as the top three in my favorite, and then everything else was just so like it's just the same, right? I mean, everything, everything else past the third space was, you know, all relatively the same. Um, so I guess in third place was the math, the new Matthews. And then honestly, dude, PSE this year, in my opinion, put out a crazy good bow, like real, like it was, I almost bought that bow. I almost got it. And it, there was only one thing, the, there's one small little feature compared to the Botec solution, which I ended up getting, that at full draw, they, they felt relatively the same. But at full draw, that PSE, I felt like it was pulling against me and it just wanted to go. And I didn't have as much control over it as I did on the Botec solution. And so I ended up going with the Botec solution. So and, and and just from feel, that's how that's how I pick my bows, right? So as yep, I'm in yep. the I, as I'm in the bow shop shooting, uh, I take uh, I said, hey, I want a twenty nine inch draw, and so he gets me a twenty nine inch draw, and he's like, dude, and th- this is this is the difference between going to a box store or uh, um, a store that has. I guess you want to say average Joe's working at it and not an official bowtech tech, right? So the bowtech tech, the owner of this this bow shop where his his job is literally one thing. All he cares about is selling bows and bow accessories and setting up everybody that comes in his store, right? So he's looking at me at full draw and he goes, dude, you're not a 29, dude. You're a 30. I said, well, I've always shot a 29. I've always, I've always shot a 29 inch draw and he goes here, he switches the cams out or the, 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 the pegs out or whatever it is on that Bowtech solution. And at third and I'm at 30 inches now. And I feel like a jackass how long I've been shooting a bow and I've never like no one a has ever questioned me saying 29 inch draw. No one has ever, uh, like when I've gone into stores and stuff, no one has ever said, hey, have you ever tried this or ever tried this? They're just going with 100% what I've, uh, uh, you know, I've told them. So this guy, uh, F6 archery down in uh, Mount Pleasant, Iowa, by the way, shout out those guys, very knowledgeable. I'm at full draw. And it is a different world. Like I feel so much, like so much more comfortable holding a bow, bow at full draw. It, I don't feel like it's coming out of my, it's not pulling against me like some of these other bows that I've had in the past. And I'm going to tell you right now, I bought, I got a bow and then I took it to a a shop where they're, so I I bought the, or I got the bow somewhere else. And then um, I ended up uh, taking it to another bow tech uh, closer to where I live. And I took the time to time the cams. Like typically I would get a bow I would put my rest on it. I would have someone put my rest on it. I would put the uh, side on it, and then I would, I would sight it in myself, and then there would be no uh, other type of adjustments. And I, that's how I would. That's how I would do it. So I took the extra. No, time.
1: no, like you wouldn't do any paper tuning or anything. You
0: like know, that? I, I, I did with my last bow, but I don't think it mattered near as much because I was an inch shorter than what I needed to be. Right? Like, you take an inch out of your draw. And then you shoot that bow. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to feel the same. It's going to feel different for you. So, so I was, I, if if you haven't, if you're uncomfortable at full draw, things aren't just, they're not going to, they're just not going to add up. Even if your bow is, is tuned the right way. Right. So anyway, he times the cams. He adjusts the peep sight like three times for me. Uh, He adjusts the. I, I rock a kisser button too. So he adjusts the kisser button. He adjusts the, the peep sight. He, he put like a quarter twist or a, a half twist or whatever it was into the, the cable. And uh, then the, he's like, dude, this, this, uh, this ca- these, these cams are perfectly timed now. I said, awesome. So I shoot it. And I'm going to say this. I have never had, I have never shot one of those bows I've I've heard my friends sh- shoot them right because I'm there when they are shooting their bows and it has that that almost perfect efficiency sound where it's just like th- yep. th- like wow yep. you know just there's no extra noise to it all my other bows have had some kind of extra noise I, I felt and I've never had it so I I shoot a couple rounds in the I shoot a couple arrows at the store it sounds loud because you're in this box room yep. so i come home and i i shoot it and i'm just like holy shit like not only is this bow now timed perfect but it's also it's it's also at a more comfortable draw length for me and i i was saying to myself on some of these other podcasts that i was doing that i need you know like i'm not going to take this brand new bow on a um on my South Dakota hunt because I want to make sure it's, it's tuned properly. I'm, I'm accurate with it. Uh, It's set up properly and I'm comfortable with it before I take it out. But dude, by the end of, by the end of next week, it's going to be a no brainer. I'm taking that new bow to South Dakota with me. I just feel so confident with it and I can't believe it. And I, and it's probably not the fact that it's a Bowtech solution, but it's the fact that, I had someone educated in archery tell me what I was doing wrong and how I needed to fix it. On both the guy telling me I needed a 30 inch draw and then again uh me taking time with another bow tech to really focus on the tuning aspect of it. And it, it is a it is a night and day difference. And I'm I tell you I'll tell you this. Shooting a, a well tuned bow is fun as hell to shoot.
1: Yeah compared to
0: other anything else so i don't know what your experience is is with anything like that but i just had to share that because i I think it's it's important
1: oh you're you're spot on man um couple things i will say i know that shooting a bow that is too short for you you can still shoot it accurately you can shoot it more accurately than if say say you're a 30 inch draw and you're shooting a 29 inch bow um you're going to be more accurate than if you were shooting something with a 31 inch draw. Yeah. Like, an, like if you were overdrawn, it's hard to be accurate. I do know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when your field points and your fixed broadheads can fly the same at yeah. 60 yards, like that is, that's a magical feeling.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's that's another thing that I I, I read in an article recently was, um, some of the best archers that are out there when they when they, to, when they go ahead and set up, the, obviously they have their competition bows, but then they have their hunting bows. They're just like, I don't even put field tips on those arrows because I'm not ever going to shoot this bow with a field point on it. I'm going to put my broadhead on it and that's what I'm tuning my arrow with. So I took that whole mentality with this new bow and I haven't shot one field point out of this out of this bow yet. And it's all been broadheads. And so.
1: Just chewing up targets or what, man? Yeah, man.
0: I mean, I don't give a shit about <laughs> Honestly, I look at a target um, as an um, expendable product.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Almost. Because I, yeah. I need to be like, honestly, the only thing I care about as far as my gear is I want my gear to kill a deer. That's, that is my, you, you put together the equation, however you want to put it. For me, the outcome is the same, a dead deer. I want, I want my buck tag in Iowa filled every year. I want as, as far as, you know, other type of uh, hunts that I go on this year, Nebraska, this year, South Dakota, my end goal is to have a dead animal at the end of that. So I want my equipment to add up to equal that dead animal and that can that can go a whole bunch of different ways but when you when you're talking about your bow and your arrow setup it 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 has to work it just has to be a certain way and i don't uh you know it's it's almost embarrassing here i am 40 talking about it how how stupid and green i am when it comes to archery but i hope this me me talking about this is you know like triggers people and goes you know what he's right let me take my bow in for one quick checkup before the hunting season starts or even before the ne- next time you go hunting just to make every sure everything's right and even though i just got a brand new bow if you have it tuned right to you and it feels comfortable in your hands honestly getting it sighted in really isn't that hard
1: oh no not at all no no nope.
0: so um nope. yeah so I, there's, that's there's
1: great. That. I, yeah man um on top of that, dude, you're the confidence, right? Oh yeah, like, like yeah. Confidence is half of it, right? Confidence is like half your success. Yes. So
0: yes, and I but, cannot. It's gonna suck for the first doe that I go out and see this this year, unless I'm moving into like a, a quote unquote buck spot. But if I'm catching a, if I. If I'm going to specifically an area to hunt a doe in these next couple weeks, man, and she's like, she's going to be like 20. I'm going to set up where she's going to come through at about 20 yards. Like I'm already, this, this sounds bad, but I'm already envisioning me taking the wrapped meat and putting it in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. Yeah. So there's that.
1: I've i I've got some, I've got one of those too. I'm going to, uh, the trip I'm doing in Nebraska this year, I've been hunting that farm for like five or six years, and I've been hunting it with either my wife or my buddy Mike. Um, buddy Mike, he's probably having a his his daughter, his firstborn's probably on her way right now or within the next couple days. Uh, his wife's due date was October third, so um, he's any minute now he's going to have a baby. But so he's out for the he's out for the Nebraska trip. Um, so I got a new buddy coming, and he's never done an out-of-state trip, so I'm kind of just going to take a back seat to it and by doing that i'm going to stay close to the south side of the farm which is like the south edge there's usually not a lot of buck activity down there and uh, i'm going to buy a doe tag and uh, because they're pretty cheap for nebraska they're like 50 bucks but there's a processor out there that makes the best hot sticks and i cannot wait (laughs) i cannot wait to drop a doe off to that processor and turn the whole thing into hot sticks and summer sausage all of it
0: you, yeah. you want the, the back nope i want pull. hot sticks
1: <laughs> i'll pull the back straps i'll still okay that. okay yeah you're not too yeah. crazy
0: Mm-mm. so mr bob polanik fuck... go ahead i'm just uh, do you have something else to say because i was going to shut her down
1: oh no i was just going to say uh definitely everyone should definitely you know have some sort of baseline knowledge of what their bow and what their arrow is capable of. I mean, if you think about it, there's so much to, that goes into killing a deer. Um, there's strategy, there's scent, there's wind direction, there's time of the year, everything, trail cameras, this and that. But there's literally only one thing that connects us to that deer and it is an arrow. And if, if you don't have knowledge of what your bow and your arrow is capable of, you're, you're, I mean, I think you're just selling yourself short. Amen. Like the only the only thing that connects us to an animal is an arrow. So know know what your bow is capable of, know what you're capable of, and uh, know that maybe if you are only you know if you're only drawing fifty pounds, maybe don't shoot mechanicals because that takes a lot of energy to open that up at you know at a, at a fifty pound draw weight or something like that or short or short, short draw length. You know maybe maybe if you had a short draw length and a you know fifty fifty five pound. Draw, you should be shooting fixed blades or something like that just know what your components are capable of you kind of owe it to the animals that you're trying to kill in my opinion yeah i'm off and that's all that's that's all i have for the soapbox
0: all right my friend well hey good bs session with you thank you very much for your time as always and uh good luck in nebraska and good luck in michigan man
1: yeah same to you man good luck in iowa thanks for having me on
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Bob. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day, man. A huge shout out to each and every one of you. Again, please be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation um, RSS feeds and the Nine Finger Chronicles feeds and the uh, uh, Hunting Gear podcast feed, which this is going to be sitting on both of those. Um, Please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Uh, That would help me out the most. Um, there are a couple bullshit reviews in there that I would like to not be on the top anymore. Uh, so if someone could do me a big favor, go leave a five-star review, that would be awesome. Be sure to check out the sportsman's nation YouTube channel. We got a couple, uh, uh, fairly new videos up there. Don't forget about the nine finger kitchen on there as well, where I, I cook some of my favorite meals. And lastly, please go out and in a positive manner, support the hunting industry. Uh, uh, support the hunting community, and do that by staying positive, treating others with respect, and, um, I don't know, just represent this way of life that we all love so much in a very positive manner. Good vibes in, good vibes out, wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry.